0: hey where's micah i didn't hear you scatter scatter wally in that whole episode where were you
1: no i well i didn't know this was a seinfeld podcast all of a sudden we're uh we're changing our allegiances is that, is that what's are going there on
2: allegiances here? are there such is there are there seinfeld podcasts now
1: I will tell is you that, this
0: edition got a review once from a kind listener who said, this is the Seinfeld of podcasts. <laughs>
2: oh, well, that's awesome. we're going to Game of Thrones
0: with Seinfeld.
2: I think, is, high uh, is it?
0: When, when, yeah. we're, when we're done with the show, we'll, we'll play out with Good Riddance by Green Day, circa <laughs>
1: 1997.
2: Wow. That's, take, that's taking me back. But we that's would have to end
1: the show all in jail, right? That's that's the way it would have to work we'd all find different ways to get arrested and then we'd podcast from <laughs> from prison like a,
2: somehow i don't think that this group uh and of course selena's not here so i can say that yeah. you know this group wouldn't have any trouble finding out ways to get arrested the natural <laughs> progression
0: of Game of bones will inevitably irrevocably lead us into pr- imprisonment you know what i'm saying yeah. like that's i feel like that's going to be the end of the show anyway i only hope it's not
2: in harren hall yeah
0: yeah well
2: given uh, given those those imprisonment uh conditions as seen in season 2 of Game of Thrones.
0: <laughs> well uh hello everyone. We're uh we're making a podcast today. This is Game of Owns.
1: We promised there was a reason for us opening the show that way. Right? Do we? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you guys just wanted to hum the tune to Seinfeld to start off the show.
2: Hey, uh, you said scatting, right? Scatterwalling? Scatterwalling Shaft Scatter, I don't know what that means. Do you, do you want to reveal what that that might be, uh, Micah or Zach? Oh, uh, Micah, you just posted it to your Facebook
1: page. I did. I was that I was that um, amused by this this video that uh, <laughs> I was created. You're
0: just sitting in your house, and you just gave it a soft chuckle, like ha ha, ha. Oh, That's amusing. I'm going to it share was, this with though, my Facebook it, friends.
1: Now, th- this was created by Matt and Comedy, and uh, mm-hmm. apparently they did multiple episodes. This is just the first one that, that I've posted to my Facebook page, as Zach mentioned. But it, I happen to find it on this great website called uh if you've ever heard of it. But basically, it's uh, it's Game of Thrones uh, to the theme music of Seinfeld, as well as the audience of, of Seinfeld. So uh, the people that put this together very cleverly uh, composed this video with, with some really good music and audience uh, additions, <laughs> tracks, right? Yeah. And uh, it's great. I mean, I, I think it's really funny. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, has anybody done this before with other shows? I'm guessing it, it. that's probably the case. I'm just out of touch with.
0: I think it's a thing, yeah. What's
1: going on in the real world? But uh, <laughs> there's
0: a... The, uh, The thing that's so great about this is that it's one of those things I never really thought about putting it to the uh, pacing of like a a regular sitcom. All you have to do is throw in laugh tracks and it's just like the scenes where uh, Joffrey, for example, is getting slapped by Tyrion. Brilliant (laughs) shit.
2: It looks like a comedy. It's so dramatic, too, though. Like, the actors, you can still feel the the tension, mm-hmm. but it just gets taken away when you hear the laughs. And you're like,
0: oh, my right. God. Oh, and Tyrion's yeah. walking away after the slaps, and he's basically awesome. like, someone get me wine. <laughs> like,
2: <that's laughs> Dinner time. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I like when, when uh, uh, no. Ned took Baelish and, and shoved him up against the wall. And then all of a sudden, Catelyn peers her head yes. over the balcony. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. Hello, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that's perfect.
2: So this episode is uh is kind of a um an owns catch up episode. We haven't really haven't, f- haven't had one of these in maybe two three weeks, right, Zach? I don't know,
0: something like that. Yeah.
2: Just where we catch up on sort of the latest owns that have come across our desks, des- discuses, discuses, inboxes, outboxes, all mailboxes, of that.
0: mailboxes, mailboxes. That's-
2: Yes. Um,
0: Please, guys, stop printing out your owns and mailing them to our physical address. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> Are you saying we don't use that address? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that you use that address. Micah gets regular orders of hall scented candles sent to his <laughs> sent to his homestead, and he lights one every breakfast. And every luncheon, the Ravens are getting tired. So there you are.
1: You know, it's not always easy to clean up after them either.
0: Well, right, they ask for so much.
1: They do corn. Who's yeah. got that?
2: Who's got the corn?
1: There's one thing about this video that I don't agree with at all. It's it, what the description says. Game of Thrones is a show about nothing.
2: Uh, well, no, no, no. <laughs> that that was the that was what they used to say about Seinfeld.
1: Right, right, right. Seinfeld oh. Day,
2: everybody, that Seinfeld is the show about nothing. Got it. So that's that's what it is. But yeah, no, Game of Thrones is definitely a show about something, whatever that might be.
0: Well, GQ certainly thinks that Game of Thrones is a show about something because this year, and the uh, thing that they probably do every year, they might have just started this year, they handed over directly to the people behind Game of Thrones a victorious position of Blackwater being the greatest television episode of 2012 the last year on earth so it's even more important
2: yeah and this is uh gq's uh, what gentlemen's quarterly it is yeah so it's it's, it's a yearly award avor- uh award from a quarterly magazine
0: it's actually uh monthly I've, i think i've subscribed to gq <laughs> since i was 11 and it's called gentlemen's quarterly because i believe that's the way it was classically but it's mm-hmm. more gentleman twelverly, so yeah, do- <laughs> it doesn't I the, see.
1: Is the Dos Equis guy always on the cover?
0: He's always around the third, third of the way through it, just after the the Dolce and Gabbana ad and the <laughs> uh, the Cool Water aftershave.
2: Do you get like aftershave samples with your uh, GQ?
0: <laughs> David off Cool Water. Yeah, you do. Except I've been getting it on the iPad. I just downloaded it on the iPad, and it doesn't. You can't really smell it. It just smells like glass.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. I think Tyrion would be deserving to be on the cover of GQ, don't you? He I was. believe he was, yes. Yeah, yeah, he and absolutely was. That's of course was. why I just said that.
2: Yes. Uh, oh, he, yes, yes, yeah. of course.
0: He was just making um, a callback, a connection.
2: Yeah. No, it's a good callback. And, and they do talk about uh, Tyrion actually. Um, in this interview that, that has taken place in this latest, uh, is it the latest GQ? Um,
0: yes, I believe so. So they
2: interviewed, uh, obviously Ben Hoffman Weiss or Benny Hoffman Weiss, uh, George R. R Martin. And in fact, the director, Neil Marshall, who directed the Blackwater episode. Um, and it's this really cool interview kind of about how that came to be. To be honest, guys, like I expect to see a lot of the same information or similar information In the, um, you know, deleted scenes or or not deleted scenes, the behind the scenes stuff on the season two DVD, because we all knew even going into it that Blackwater was this, you know, the whole season really led up to it. And uh, they had to get like special permission, special budgets and everything to really make it to make it work.
0: We talked a lot about limitations as far as the Blackwater episode is concerned regarding things like horses and uh, creating the scale Of the battle, this interview does a really good job of going in depth into that, even more than sort of our uh, what was what was said over tweets or what was lightly grazed over in uh, articles that were paraphrased. These are actual direct quotes from the showrunners and the creators, and they're basically saying Thrones has a budget of somewhere between what is it, sixty and seventy million per Per season, right? Yeah. And so coming at them and saying we need some more money is kind of a big deal. And so the people at HBO were like, well, "What do you need?" And I said five hundred thousand. They're like, "Well, actually, it's more like <laughs> two point whatever million. And they gave it to them, You know, they gave them the yeah. money.
2: Yeah, and that that that, that definitely comes uh, almost with you know with the expectation that the show would continue to to win at the awards. I think, um, which is interesting because that you know it, it won the Emmy in in in, in its first season, um, but in the second season it, it kind of didn't even though it was you know i just wonder if they're gonna be as easy to give to give the money um in the next season although as is stated in the article they'll kind of have a season off almost that the big battle they're they're really looking forward to next is apparently at the end of season four which i assume to mean the third book
1: micah Um, don't spoil it no i'm not gonna spoil it I, (laughs) i mean i was just gonna ask you know and, and George R. R. Martin talks a little bit about it in the interview, you know, how frustrating is it as an author to want to pour so much into this episode because he wrote it and and not have the, the financial resources available. I mean, we joke around about, oh, he doesn't have enough horses, you know, he, or he didn't get all the horses into the episode that he wanted. You <laughs> right. know, they, he'd, they talk about, you know, Tyrion setting these ships up in a row, and they weren't able to do that because of budget. And, mm-hmm. you know, it plays out really well in the book because he's such a great writer, and he, he goes into so much detail, and it really shows you, you got a sense of how tactical Tyrion was with this entire plan in the show, but imagine reading it for several hundred pages the whole Setup and then the actual action of, of of his plan taking place. I mean, it it has to be a little bit frustrating on on George R. R. Martin's end, right? I
2: I think Martin says in this interview, and I you know I love the quote. It's 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 something along the lines of you know if I hadn't done some TV work before, I would have been more surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where he said you know my previous experiences with TV helped to sort of soften the blow. Right. Um, for some of the cuts they had to make. And, and you know, but, you know, conversely, said on the, you said know, on the other side of things, as a screenwriter, I have to write it in because if you don't write it in, it'll never be in the show. Whereas if you, you know, if you write it and it gets cut later, that's better. You know, if, if it gets, you know, even if it gets cut for, for budget purposes.
0: We haven't reached this part in the series as far as our chapter by chapter stuff is concerned. But just watching the episode and drawing from that, I believe that what they have done with their restrictions, how they have worked around it. Basically, what I'm saying is they did a good job making it epic still with leaving a lot of those things out. And mm-hmm. e- even at the the scale that they shot it at, which a lot of people consider huge, I mean, massively huge, they asked for an extra two and a half million dollars, which is a big deal in TV. It was still trouble for them to shoot. There's a bit in here where they're talking about Peter Dinklage being an absolute badass and how he completely nailed the entire line where he's like, blah, 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 let's go kill them.
2: <laughs> the brave right? men at the door. Right.
0: And they said yeah. that it was like super, super hard to shoot that scene. And he had literally three takes. Yeah. In, in the world of takes... And numbers, that's a terribly low number of a terribly, terribly talented person doing the take. So very impressed by that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, as were they. That was, that was really, really cool. Um, they also said, interestingly about Peter Dinklage, they also said that when they were sort of courting him for the role of Tyrion back in season one, they told him that he would win an Emmy with his role. Like that was sort of their, their invitation words was you will win an Emmy. And of course he did in season one. Right. So that, I thought that was interesting. Um, and I hadn't heard that before that they kind of said that to him when he, when you know, when they were offering him the role.
0: Did you guys see the bit where they were talking or Neil Marshall was saying that he was basically just having a sleep and they called him and like, Hey, do you want to do an episode of TV? <laughs> and he was like, Yeah, sure. That sounds fun. I'm a director. Let's do it. When and is uh, it next month? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Benioff has a quote. He said, All right, afterward, he said, Most directors looking at what Neil had to look at
2: would have absolutely shat their pants. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't a month away, it was Monday. <laughs> right. He said, How weird is that though, that the director of the episode, you know, and it's it's interesting. He said before he got on the plane, um to go wherever it was they were shooting, if it's Croatia or, or Ireland or whatever, um, he watched season one like back to back, like we do, like as as fans sometimes do, you know, just watch all the episodes you can. But by the time he got to to actually be on the set, you know, you're still not sure about the characters' names. And he's supposed to direct this episode, but you know he's so new to sort of everything. It's it's just really kind of a fascinating insight,
1: right? And and they also mentioned how they filmed at night because uh, they're able to hide more. I don't I don't know exactly what that means.
2: It, uh, my guess, and Zach, correct me. You know if you have any other insight too. Like, but when you're dealing with digital uh, effects as opposed to practical effects. You know, if it's a landscape, if it's blood, whatever you're doing, you can, it's easier to brush into and and to gradient into black because blackness is just shadow. It could be anything. And and the eye doesn't normally catch, like, oh, that shadow doesn't belong there. So when you're dealing with something that doesn't exist, if you just give it black or dark edges and fade it out, it's a lot easier than if something's in broad daylight. You can tell if it doesn't fit in a lot easier if everything, if every, you know, if you can see everything.
0: It has, it has some to do with that. Um, There is a big limitation with shooting in darkness with effects because a lot of the times you're using like a green or blue composite screen and there's difficulty lighting that evenly versus things like fire and stuff like that because you're dealing with reflections and a lot of other things like that. But you're talking about uh, a production that's being done for the biggest episode in television of the year. So chances are they have a pretty badass setup of very expensive lights and a very well um, trained crew. So yes, on the other side of the coin, we have the fact that it's dark, that a lot of that black space can be just, oh, that's the other side of where he's running. Like he's running on a pathway and that's literally a third of the screen. The other thirds surrounding his body are just sort of dark corridors. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. we we have one big light on the ship, Well, there's a lot of darkness around that ship. So or it's kind of a, a vague and broad point that he's making, but For example, when I'm filming stuff, it is always better when it's dark and when the lighting is controlled because battling with the sun is impossible, basically. Like, the sun is very, very bright. It's going to take very, very, very difficult measures of equipment to battle with the sun's light. So, it being at night makes that... a much much smaller limitation
2: this reminds me of a commentary for the movie the mummy the the remake of course in in 2000 um when Stephen Summers, the director of the film was talking about how they actually shot a lot of night scenes during the day and darkened them to make them look like like, look like night would that why would they do that do you think like that's that's not what game of game of thrones did obviously but you know he said that some of those scenes that were Uh, You know, they appear to be night. uh, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Of the desert, um, were in fact shot during the day, and then they darkened them. It was really interesting. Well, in that case, in order to make a
0: a wide vista-like shot, they're going to need all of that space lit. And that's a perfect example of needing the sun's light versus having 10,000 lamps, you know, pointing just out of frame. Right. Where you can't capture that wide shot with your camera, because that was pretty well back in the day before large sort of CGI shots like we see on Game of Thrones, like we see on The Hobbit, like we see on Lord of the Rings, were mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And that's that's a really prevalent thing in Game of Thrones. You'll see, um, we posted a video of it before, but you'll see a half-built set with one Small in consideration of the entire shot, one small green screen, and that one composite that they have, that one key allows them to basically build King's Landing behind these horse people riding into a very sparsely built set. You know, mm-hmm. with like plaster, stones, and paint. It's 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 actually really cool.
1: Yeah, I'm learning a lot here. Actually, it's like, <laughs> it's like going to film class. I'm serious. Yeah, it's like you insight to- that you normally would never get just you know watching it on tv or even reading one of these interviews so um but but the interview itself kind of rounds out with them talking about all the gore and right yeah i was surprised actually and and i think it's kind of cool that they employ amputees to to do a lot of the scenes so when guy who has his leg chopped off or an arm chopped off in uh in the show, it's actually a person who is, is missing an arm or a leg in real life.
0: And, and Eric, you were talking about practical effects versus digital effects. This is the yeah. perfect example of, well, we can still pull off that crisp filmic look and we don't have to hand this off to a motion designer. Right. Like we can literally use someone who is an amputee and just slice a leg off and sort of just knock it off his clothes.
2: And what's interesting is that they work on different schedules too. Like if it's a practical effect, they have to work it into filming, whereas digital, I guess, gets handled in post or something you know or a, along a different schedule
0: working working with digital artists um, in post production it just if you watch some of the every, to everyone that's listening if you watch some of the hobbit production videos um, passively you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of composite work where they've got little trackers little markers like orange little x's on points of the green screen or maybe on points of the actors really and those are sort of served as as pieces that later on in post production that these artists can anchor their effects onto so it's it's kind of hard for them it's much easier to make a practical effect versus doing a digital effect you know what i mean
2: mm-hmm. god i just i got reminded right as you were talking about the hobbit of the the fact that it's 48 frames per second <laughs> which is magical that's going to be awesome yeah no it's exciting <laughs> um but yeah the uh the interview again just kind of concluding here and you know talking about the gore and the amputees like i i thought that was just really interesting how they say you know we never really know how it's going to really turn out. And, you know, if we could do it again, they said even there were some scenes that were too gory um, yeah. that they felt there they felt lingered. Well, what, um,
1: what I like though, here at the very end, Martin says there's still two gigantic books to go. Five have been released and he's halfway through the sixth of seven, which is a little bit of an update on where he is with the winds of winter. And there are many things David and Dan don't know about the eventual fates of some of these characters. I have the main beats of the books in my mind, but there's a lot that I discover in the process of writing. The devil is in the details, as they say, and there are a lot of devils in
2: these books. Well, whose fault is that, really?
1: <laughs> well, it's his, of course. But yeah. <laughs> I, I just love how so integrated he is into this process, especially when he yeah. writes for, you know, the, the show itself. I mean, I, I'm drawing a blank on, on what he wrote for season one. I think he wrote Baylor, didn't he? Or he was involved in more than just one episode, I think. Um, but obviously he wrote Blackwater and it seems like he's writing one episode for season three, which is a, is a huge event in the course of the series. So they're definitely utilizing him and, and they're taking advantage of the fact that, that he's there and that they can use him. And I, and I like that a lot.
2: Yeah. And uh, apparently, you know, they, there is a little discourse here, too, about the scenes that are added that aren't in the book, like Circe poisoning her kids. I didn't know that wasn't in the book because obviously we haven't reached that book. Um. Yet, but you know, just the scene where Cersei is considering poisoning her children when she fears she's going to be, um, you know, caught and killed. I guess by Stannis. Uh, that was actually more of a historical, uh, reference to the to World War II, and I didn't know that. But George R. R. Martin says, you know, the scenes that David and Dan add are generally great. They're almost scenes that are implied in the book. So I I think that Martin is has a really loo- not loose writing style because I'm sure a lot of it's tight but he likes seeing what these uh two men interpret and a lot of the, the things they do for characters and the characters he finds uh interesting and not necessarily like wrong or you know illogical.
0: It's really lucky for us as viewers and really just for the show as a whole not only in the award season but just the general talk about town that the creator and writer of this actual series happened to have previous to even writing this book series, writing for television as a screenwriter experience. Not on a small scale either, but actually professionally. And so going into it with HBO and actually creating a show, he is able to hop into the driver's seat on episodes like Blackwater and literally write the screenplay word for word, shot for shot, and not have to paraphrase through someone else, which is really powerful, obviously, because, you know, we see these sort of awards fly out and things like that. But but honestly, Mm -hmm. like... On a a much larger scale, I feel like, and this is probably me just guessing and projecting a little too much, but I think that he almost would have no other choice in the matter mentally then when he's writing these new books and like the piece he's writing now after the show has had critical success and it's such a, a fandom success and there's a fervor about it, I feel like he probably can't get away with when he's writing thinking of the show in his head when he's writing. And maybe mm-hmm. some of the things he's writing are a little bit more fit for TV. You see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I question that about J.K. Rowling, to be honest, um, You know, which is not really exactly meant to be a transition uh, into our next topic. But, you know, when J.K. Rowling's writing, <laughs> well I, I, done. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't I could help but think, well, what about, you know, what is the success of Potter doing to change the story? You know, right. and I, I guess, you know, all the major points didn't change. They were the same. But, but the fact that so many people all of a sudden are, are caring about, you know, these other characters and the different theories that she would get bombarded with at, at book signings and stuff when she was writing like book four and five right. you know you just you just can't help but wonder how they influenced six and seven and you know George R. R. Martin might be in the same you know boat here where he's writing you know six or seven books and you know there's this show and these other you know cooks are in the kitchen now writing their own you know the, the actors have been cast he's getting kind of a different view of the characters that have been inside his head the whole time I mean that said he has been writing this series for more than one decade and you know a lot of those scenes like the the payoff of Jon Snow's heritage you know he's been letting it slow burn for, for so very long that right. part of me thinks Slowly he's pretty impenetrable burn. he's pretty impenetrable to any outside influence because he has had such mastery over when to not reveal <laughs> this crap that he doesn't want to reveal until a certain date and time you know he's held off so long that I might just think well it wouldn't affect him at all you know, yeah, because because he's that controlled with what he does.
1: And I know you're. I'll let you do your segue here in a second since you brought up J.K. Rowling. But mm-hmm. I, I think though, like with those episodes that we were talking about that Zach brought up, like Baylor and Blackwater, and what I'm assuming is the Red Wedding, which doesn't give anything away right now. In <sighs> In season three, which he will be writing, I feel like as as an author, it's probably almost like he doesn't want anybody else to touch those episodes because they are so epic and so much does happen. Like with Baylor, you lose Ned, right? With with Blackwater, it's such a it's it's the battle of of the second book, and you know you're left wondering about the fates of so many different characters, and then with season three obviously infer what you will but it's a it's a major event in the third book so i can understand that from his standpoint and we're lucky that he's you know still around to to do that and and to you know add his own thought to all of this
0: yeah like i said we we are pretty lucky that he's not only a writer in book form but he is good at this tv thing which is that is that is really cool you know yeah. Like imagine if J.K. Rowling could have wrote the screenplays <laughs> for the Potter films.
2: Think about <laughs> All that. All right, they,
0: then we would let's, have gotten let's get those,
2: those old films, <laughs> or those those. Uh, then we would have gotten like three-hour, four-hour-long films as they not, should be.
0: Not comic strips. I can't uh, think of a single thing wrong sorry. with any of that.
2: No. All right, so we
0: have a comic strip. I'm going to post in the show <laughs> notes. Uh, it's on ro- RobotMutant.com. It's pretty cool. It's basically George R.R. R. Martin and J.K. Rowling having a cuppa. Shall we read it? So, uh, Ron and Ginny are lovers? What?
1: No, they're brother and sister.
0: Oh. He's looking at his book. He's reading his book. Not even a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, if
2: our verbal representation of the comic doesn't like, dude, the comic is way better i'm not, I'm not even yeah. trying to like pretend that i did a decent job as george r, r. martin yeah you right. have to see this comic even the uh background i wonder how the hell like visually they did this with <laughs> that's it's a such p- a it's a picture. like it's like they took a regular picture and then blurred it and darkened it that's exactly what they did they took a regular uh, okay. picture. <laughs> i would say it works i love this i'm gonna find it's out very well I'm done gonna, yeah. it looks great yeah i love it it's a neat idea it's simple and, and good and jk um,
1: rowling channeled her inner samuel tarley there she um, did. <laughs> For a brief minute.
0: I think we can all be thankful that Ron and Ginny didn't make any Lannister-like babies, though. I believe that was the Ron point of the comic.
2: That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said Hermione. Did I say Hermione? You'll play it back. You'll hear it. I don't know. I'll just say this just in case. Ron and Ginny. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very glad they didn't do that. Um, but Hey, who knows? Maybe they would have had more chemistry than Dan Radcliffe and Bonnie Wright did in, uh, in the film.
0: <laughs> Mike and I have been watching football all day, texting each other updates on our current emotional state regarding what's been happening in the world of that. Um, other things happening tonight. There's actually something that's more appropriate for the game of owns listening audience, right boys?
1: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, there's going to be this new featurette that will air at 8:54 Exactly. You have to go on at 8.54 Eastern time to that station called HBO, uh, which you may or may not have heard of throughout the course of this episode. I hope you did. <laughs> uh, and it's called Game of Thrones in production, and i will have interviews with the creators, cast, and more, providing the first official look at season three. And some of the new characters, which we've, we've gotten little snippets from. There was mm-hmm. that Comic-Con video uh, where we got to meet a lot of the uh, – the new cast members, including Mira and Jojen Reed, who I know Selena is a huge fan of.
2: Uh, I can hear her freaking out right now. Yeah, hold on. Let me.
1: Yep, that's her. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so hopefully she will be uh, tuning in as well to uh, to get this first look. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, they've done so far that they can uh, give us a sneak peek at.
0: It'll be really great to see these actors sitting. With the knowledge that they've had two amazing seasons of television and they're now doing an interview for that. I love seeing yeah. the progression of people once they've, you know, relished in hides. success for a while.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's I agree with that. Although I, I, I will say, you know, it's going to be the hardest thing about watching this video tonight is going to be it's realizing <laughs> that the show is still four <laughs> months away. Yeah. Four months. Four months. Minus one day. It's four months away. That's a third of a year. It's just not, it's not coming anytime soon. Right.
0: Well, rest well, easy, my friend. There are other television shows to watch. Girls starts on HBO in January. No, HBO is not sponsoring this episode. But
1: Eric, Eric, the solution—I have a solution for you. You could actually pick up *A Storm of Swords* and read in advance, and let your imagination create the picture of what's going on.
2: Who does that? I have to get through. I have to get through. Uh, what's the second one? *Clash of Kings*. *Clash of Kings*. I have to get through *Clash of Kings* first. Well, I have to get through. The first book first.
1: Yeah, but you already know what happens in the first two seasons. So you could just skip ahead. Uh,
2: well, no, apparently I don't. Right? Season two totally. Well, season from the two book. is
1: different. Ga- yeah. uh, Game of Thrones was pretty much spot on, yeah. with the exception of like little pieces of backstory here and there. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, th- I think it's going to be great because finally we get something that's not just text on a screen or numbers that are made of swords or daggers. You know, which really doesn't do anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. I saw actually saw that on the side of a bus in in New York when I was walking down the street last week. What uh, the numbers, you know, three thirty one thirteen. You know, it's a whole promotional campaign, but it's not <laughs> really that interesting. Oh, and by the way, I I did tweet from the uh, the Game of Thrones account <laughs> the the camels that I referred to uh, probably weeks ago at this point. Uh, you know, we we had a big debate about uh, camels and. Llamas and alpacas,
2: and oh gosh, I believe
1: and, that we did, and all different forms of uh, service animals. <laughs> service animals. Yeah, there you Yes, go. yes. Uh, but they have arrived. They have arrived, and they they stand watch outside of Radio City Music Hall every morning now, um, waiting to return to Winterfell, which will probably be sometime in January.
0: Everything you've been wow. talking about has a very high <laughs> viral coefficient. Campbells. Everyone loves Campbells. Campbell's soup. They, Campbell they, soup. They, they stink
1: so bad. That is
0: a lie, and you know it. Also, everyone loves photographs of uh, numerals. Dude, you little will not believe graphics to share.
1: You will not believe the amount of people that stop and take pictures of these camels. I it's, no, I can't. It's believe amazing. It. They're, they're magical animals. I'm. I would be one of those people if I was in your vicinity. Well, I was one of those people, but yes, it's you just, It's just funny now, just walking past them. Like I try not to get in the photo. Right.
2: Isn't that cruelty? To keep camels outdoors like that? I mean
0: well, they, they don't live in houses naturally, so
2: aren't they <laughs> desert animals though? I mean I guess the desert gets pretty cold, but yeah. at night, yeah, they get it gets cold at night. Yeah. But
1: th- they're fine. They they get moved into their uh either their warm trailer or inside uh, <laughs> Their
2: warm trailer.
1: Very warm <laughs> Radio City. <laughs> exactly what they have of to perform are these
2: is the HBO store near there? Micah?
1: It's the HBO store is a little bit away. It's probably like five or ten minute walk away from Oh, that's ground. terribly far. Oh. Yeah, that's so far in New York.
2: <laughs> but you I could get
1: on a camel and ride it down to the yeah, HBO store. That's
0: cool. We're going to forgo owns this episode, mainly because we're running out of time and also because we've just been talking about other owns. So to pick the own of owns would be really meta. And we're not very meta. Not like
1: Meta World Peace. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
2: Mike um, had just
0: named a, f- a basketball player.
2: I did. Or Meta Gear Solid. Or... That's
1: right. Yeah. Or but an anyway...
2: Hobbit. Meta Digital. Not.
1: What uh, Zach is trying to uh, say is we will read your owns and your tweets uh, on... The other two episodes later on in the week, but of course, if you want to tweet at us, you can do so at Game of Owns or you can uh, even leave us a post on facebook i don't I don't see as much going on on the on the Facebook do you guys is it is it going out of style? I'll
0: tell you what happened, okay Facebook has launched all this new privacy stuff, and people are just too scared to go outside anymore so that's what's mm-hmm. that's what the problem is.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, Mike. Maybe you should redirect your threat off of iTunes. We're probably good on iTunes. We should need more, uh, more Facebook comments. Yeah. We
0: probably need a Game of Owns Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where all the kids are nowadays.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, I'm not on Instagram right now, what? Zach. What really?
1: is up with iTunes? I know Eric brought this up before, but i I've gone on here to try and, and see if I can find any, <laughs> uh, you know, five star reviews to read for God. for upcoming episodes, and
2: it's completely. Uh, <laughs>
1: Wow. Created you
2: your iTunes. I told you. I, I guess I did. I didn't it even know uh, it. It won't recognize my phone anymore. <laughs> this th-
1: w- we we sorry people, we've completely uh, you know, gone off uh and talked about other things here, but that's okay cuz that's what we do and we hope we're entertaining you on some level. Uh, you we know what else Friday is entertaining despite is, the yeah. fact <laughs> that Selena is not here? hypeable.com. Oh, it is. It is. You know it what is. else is? Gameofowns.com. It is. They're great resources. You can watch uh, Game of Thrones uh, Seinfeld there. Uh, <laughs> there's great episodes uh, as Took we talked a secret about link. at the top of the show. You can watch full episodes right in your browser. There's a secret link
0: We will tell anyone about. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not true.
1: <laughs> but I think we've plugged everything, so it might be time to say goodbye for this Monday. How, we bye, how do we
0: say <laughs> bye to people? This is, this is a lot of pressure, guys.
2: Uh, au revoir. <laughs> 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 I'm Zach Lee.
1: I'm Mike Attanello. I'm, I'm Eric Scott. Scott. Stay, Cramery. That's the wrong show.
0: That's
2: Doug. <laughs>
0: Let's go to the Honker Burger. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye.